Thank you so much. Well, hello, hello. How are we doing? All right, all right. I like it. Well, listen, um, something was mentioned uh, just a little bit ago that I need to address. Um, InSync is definitely better than Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> I got the mic. Um, so uh, just just wanted to follow up with that statement um, and the hair comment. Um, that is definitely something that Tanya and Adam will get paid back for at some point. <laughs> and so, uh, no, it is an honor and a privilege to be up here uh, with you today and uh, just be entrusted uh, to share God's word with you from Adam and Tanya. They are absolutely amazing. Um, the community of Wyndham has needed them. Uh, it's been absolutely um, a pleasure watching them. I've been a pastor in the area um, for since 2009, um, and so it's been absolutely wonderful. Uh, I've worked as a youth pastor, associate pastor, uh, lead pastor, just in different roles in the area, some right outside the community. And so, uh, but we're here and we're, we're loving uh, just being able just to learn and soak from what God's doing through them. Um, I, I mentioned last uh, service at the 9 a.m. that they have literally been Jesus with skin on here to the community of Wyndham, just going, uh, presenting Jesus in, in ways that maybe uh, weren't previously presented and just doing God's work. And so um, when you see them, let them know how much you love them, uh, that they're doing amazing. And because like I said earlier uh, to the other service, Wyndham, uh, love you guys, been here for a little bit, not my whole life, but um, it, it's the community is not always the easiest, right? We, we, um, we are people that, when I say we are the people, um, that sounds like I've been here all my life, but I haven't, but um, I'm slowly getting there. And uh, it is, it, w you're, you're tight-knit, and letting new people in sometimes isn't always easy, but watching Adam and Tanya just invest, invest, invest has been absolutely amazing. And so when you see them next, please, please love on them. I know you probably do, and uh, but I'm just reminding you, like as a pastor who, who uh, came to the community not long ago, uh, it is so valuable to love on them. All right? Everyone good there? Awesome. Well, hey, listen, I am going to walk around a lot. I'm going to walk back and forth. You're going to see it, um, and you're going to hear some jokes. We're going to have fun. Uh, but the primary thing I want you to get out of this message, we're going to, we're going to start with it up front, is it wrapped around a question of this. Is, is knowledge the new doing? If we can kind of take the next little bit to just kind of focus in and really kind of look at this question, is knowledge the new doing? Um, I hope that in a roundabout way we get there and you'll um, understand kind of where I'm going from. We're going to take a look at uh, John chapter 13. It's uh, reading from the New Living Translation. We're going to start at verse 19, go all the way through uh, tw verse 29. Um, and it says this. It says, I tell you this beforehand so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. 
Now Jesus was deeply troubled, and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. He's talking to his disciples. He's at kind of that, that Last Supper scenario that we all have the famous painting in our mind uh, when we hear Last Supper. And the disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter mentioned to him to ask, who is he talking about? So that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus responded, it is the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered him. And then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give money to the poor. Um, have you ever uh, been in a conversation recently and the person you're talking with, uh, they, you say something and they say, yeah, I already knew that. Um, if you haven't, I don't know where you've been um, at, at all in the, the past day because um, everyone knows everything. It's, a, it's amazing. I actually have four little ones that know everything. <laughs> the, the oldest is 12, the youngest is five, and somehow, some way, they know everything. And uh, it's, it's really interesting because I, they'll, I'll like be like, hey, guys, um, you know, we're, we're not really supposed to leave scooters in other people's yards. I know that. Okay, um, so you're not supposed to leave scooter. Yeah, we know. Okay, yeah, I, I'm trying to drop subtle hints to them, and they're not picking up on it. Um, and then on the reverse side of it, I, as a dad, uh, will um, get asked questions consistently. And if I don't know that answer, I get, aren't dads supposed to know everything? I'm like, oh, you're so fun. I love you right now. That's what I'm going to remind myself. And uh, it, it can create this, like, expectation, right? Because we live in a world where everyone knows everything. And if we don't, hey, Siri. Or, or maybe you have a device. We have devices in our house. Um, Hey, Alexa. Hey, Dad, what, what is the, the name of the man who was like the 13th person to land on the moon? I don't know. Hey, Alexa. Who was the 13th person to land on the moon? Right? It, and knowledge is right there. It's right at our fingertips. If, if we want to know, we find out. But I, I really want to know is... Is knowledge really getting in between our relationship with Jesus? Is knowledge, it used to be, right, like it, you had to work, right? The whole like big battle in the Bible was grace and, or faith or works. Was, what do you do? Faith without works is dead. Works, and there's a big battle. 
and here nowadays we we've kind of are like okay so we do need works and we do need faith um now i'm really questioning is knowledge getting in the way of that is is that becoming the thing the mental ascent of knowing everything we can about jesus getting in the way of actually knowing jesus I uh, live in a neighborhood and was over at one of my neighbor's house the, like two weeks ago. And uh, we were just talking and just, you know, talk, talk, talking hobbies and uh, just sharing different things. And he was telling me how he, you know, he was just getting ready. It was dark and, and around the campfire. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go check on my mushrooms. And I'm like, all right, like. That's interesting. Who checks on mushrooms? Um, especially, uh, you know, just in a house. Um, and so he's like, oh, no, I grow mushrooms. And he started talking, you know. Uh, he's like, I got lion's mane, and then I got shiitake, and uh, I got all, all this. And he's just going through, and I'm like, wow, how little I knew about mushrooms. <laughs> right? And, and so I'm like, over there hanging out, and, and my wife, Rebecca, is at home taking care of the boys. Um, and so I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And he tells me about this documentary that I need to watch. And so I'm like, okay, super excited. And I go home, and what do I do? I walk in and start talking to my wife about mushrooms. <laughs> As if I've ever grown mushrooms know a thing about mushrooms, think that, hey, did you know that you needed to start in a sterile room, and then as soon as you get them into the position that you want, then you can transfer them into this type of temperature and this type of moisture control, and if you want this type, and I'm just like sharing about fungus while she's cleaning the fungus out of my kid's toes. And I'm acting as if somehow, some way, I've become an expert. You're a fun guy. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and, and so it, it's one of those things where the moment we hear something, we act as if we know it. I couldn't, look, mushrooms could appear, appear on my plate, and I'd be like, I don't know what any of these are. But I was just talking to my wife about lion's mane and shiitake and all these mushrooms. And I don't even know truly what they look like. And I think sometimes as Christians, we do this with Jesus and how we present Jesus to the world. We talk about Jesus as if we know him. And really, we just know stats about Jesus. It's one of those things where it's really fun to just kind of look and say, oh, man, you know, someone's going through something and you, you, you start just quoting things at them that you've heard in a, in a setting maybe similar to this. And you, you're like, oh, yeah, well, my pastor said. Or that short little dude said. And somehow, some way, you're like presenting Jesus to them. And here, here's what I, I want to remind you. I am not bashing coming to church and, and reading the Bible or anything like that and getting 
to know things about Jesus. What I'm talking about is when that comes before actually knowing the man, the Savior, Jesus. You see, I know um, the greatest basketball player to ever live, LeBron James. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. It's that in sync Backstreet Boys battle. Is some of you just fall on the wrong side? Um, and so uh, it, it's okay. But here's the thing: I could list stats about LeBron James. The only player to do this. The only player to do that. Right? It, it's a it, it's a whole list. But here's what I'll tell you: I know I do not know LeBron James. I don't know what he's doing today. I don't even know really much other than his basketball career, some of his family life, uh, because all I see is pictures and glimpses of it. I don't actually know him. I know things of him. And see, this kind of gets into the situation of, of what we do with Jesus. We, we say Jesus is our provider, or we say Jesus is a provider. We say Jesus is a comforter, and we, we, we list off all these things. Let me, let me actually give you some of those stats about Jesus. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a provider. Jesus is a comforter. Jesus is a protector. Jesus is a miracle worker. Jesus is a forgiver. Jesus is a refuge. And he's so much more. And all those things are so good. But when you're talking and dealing with yourself and the world around you, the impact you could have by saying, I know Jesus as my comforter. Man, when I was walking through this in my life, Jesus was right there with me. Oh, I, I remember when Jesus was protecting me as a young kid from seeing things that I never should have to see. I didn't maybe, I grew up in a Christian home, and so Jesus probably protected me from more things than I could ever imagine. Did I go through some hardships? Did I go through some difficulties in life? Yes, but he also protected me from so much more. God has been my refuge in moments when my family has gone through difficult things. He, he's been a place that I can go and I can find comfort. And when I can share that experience, it's a lot different than me just standing up here going, well, Jesus, you know, he is a comforter. But when I can sit there and go, you know, when my family was walking through death and we experienced heartbreak and there was nothing else that I could look to or find. And he was the one that I could just say, Jesus, it hurts. There's so much pain in my life right now. And when you can start sharing like that, when you know Jesus as your comforter, when you know him as your refuge, when you know him as your provider, it changes everything. The big idea, I, I know that, that there's always an idea that, that we kind of wrap this around. There is a difference between knowing of Jesus and knowing Jesus. It's one small word, of. Knowing of Jesus or knowing Jesus. 
There's a lot of people in this world that know a lot of things about Jesus, and I can promise you they don't actually know Jesus. There's a lot of biblical scholars that have gone in and studied so much of the, the Hebrew and, and the Arabic and, and all of the original language of the Bible, and yet somehow, some way, they still miss the key ingredient of putting their faith in Jesus. As a church, as a community, we cannot just know of Jesus. We must know him. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 4. It says this, it says, So anyone who becomes as humble as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I wonder if, if Jesus at this moment, as he's sharing and he's talking, um, he has this in mind. One day, kids are going to go to Disney World. And they're going to stand in awe of a six-foot talking mouse with magical powers. <laughs> Why? Because children, when they see something new, they're like, oh, wow. My children, when, when they're introduced to something new that absolutely they just love, it's all they talk about. It's all they're focused on. It's all that they want to spend their money on. Pokemon Go right now, I could sometimes throw out the window. Because one of my kids is so like, oh, dad, did you do this today? Did you do that? And I'm like, ah, no, I didn't. I had to raise you. You're a lot. But I remember that feeling as well because the honest is just so, it, it, it sticks with you. I remember watching DuckTales growing up. And this Uncle Duck, at the very beginning in the intro, they're going through it. And what does he do? He dives into money. And like gold coins. And I remember growing, and I'm watching that going, ah. Oh, Look at that guy. Man, I want to dive into coins. It will hurt, but it will be awesome. <laughs> Make it dollar bills. I don't care. Like, I just want to. And he swam through it. Like, like swam, jumped up, spit a few out of his mouth and went back in. And I'm like, oh, that is amazing. Ducks swim in gold and they can talk. I want that, right? And there's this allness and, and this newness that children just absolutely, when they, they start out, there's something to it that you're just like, wow, that's amazing. And Jesus is presenting it like this. Be like a child, because they're the greatest in the kingdom of God. You see, in, we find in the stories further in the Bible, that the angels go around the throne. And there's a word they repeat, holy, 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 every time. Every time they go around, they say holy, as if they just completed a lap around God and found out a new thing of who he is. And just so we're aware, they've been doing it since the beginning of time and will continue doing it 
for eternity. Because every time they see something new about who God is, wow, God, I thought you were a protector like this, but man, you protected John in so many other ways. God, I, I, I thought you were a healer and, and you, you healed that scratch, but you also delivered that person from cancer? Holy, holy, holy. God, you're so good. And they're showing up in awe of who God is. And they're looking at who God is and they're saying, man, this is what I desire. We... Uh, can sometimes get bored of sermons. I, I, I grew up in the church. We can sometimes get bored of sermons, and I remembered uh, there would be times when I would preach to the same crowd over and over again. And uh, there would be a phrase, and I'm sure Pastor Tanya and Pastor Adam heard this before, but it's uh, one of the phrases that I just oh, always am like, hmm, okay. Um, the, they People will come up and will say, hey, uh, when are you going to get to the good stuff in preaching? I'd be like, oh, okay. Okay, I, I got you. Because I, I wrap a lot around what, now what I, I preach on uh, about who Jesus is. Um, and sometimes, I, I'll just be honest, it, it's, not, it's not as fun, right? It's not as fun like we all want to hear the stories of jumping in the lion's pit and coming out and just being like, ah, look at me, I'm all right. And then we also want to hear about the stories of, of all these like cool, amazing, like just, just repeat miracle after miracle after miracle. And, and don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with any of that. But the question is, is they're, they're asking, when are you going to get to like the good stuff, the, the meaty stuff of, of the Bible? And I'd, I would just turn and ask, when is Jesus not the meat of the Bible? Well, it, it, he's, it's all wrapped around him. It, it's all meant to show him. The beginning to the end is only meant to show God's glory, God's plan, God's design. It's meant to be about Jesus. And, it, and it's kind of crazy because we, we start to think about all these ideas of whether or not Jesus is enough. I love here in 1 Corinthians, it says this. It says in, in uh, chapter 8, verse 1, I'm going to read from the uh, Passion Translation. I'll read back into the New Living in just a second. But I love what it says here. It says, now let me address the issue of food offered in sacrifices to idol. It seems that everyone believes his own opinion is right in the matter. How easily we get puffed up over our opinions. Now, if we take a look at that, we would almost think someone posted that in 2022. And let me tell you, this wasn't written in 2022. Our world has become so uh, 
soaked with people's opinions, what they think they know of. And here, Paul is literally addressing people like, hey, you think you're right. You think you're right. You're, you're over there telling someone that they're wrong. And he, he's even saying that, that it's literally people are puffing up their chest. Like, yeah, my opinion's right. And here's the crazy part. I'm up here sharing my opinion of what I think's right while preaching on someone saying, we think our opinion's right. I understand. And this is where knowing Jesus comes into play. Because when you know Jesus, you don't get your own opinion. You get Jesus's truth. When, when you know all these things, like, like for instance, if I... Uh, I only knew things about my wife. Like, oh, she likes, you know, to go to certain places to eat. She likes, you know, this type of a movie. And she was like, hey, what, what do you think, you know, maybe we could do for thing, for, you know, a date night tonight? And I was like, well, I know that you would like if we went to this restaurant. And then came home and you would like if we watched that video or movie, whatever. She was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And then I'm like, yeah, I know that. And she's like, what? What are you, what are you you're stopping there? There's a difference of knowing things about my wife and actually knowing her and being close to her. And my opinions of her, everyone in the world can have opinions of her, but because of our relationship and because we're so close, I have a different understanding. She knows what makes me tick in my brain and makes me angry and makes me kind of jittery or makes me scared or makes me happy, brings joy in my life. Why? Because she's spent time with me. And she's seen me in situations and she knows that this is my tendency. So no longer has it become an opinion of it. She knows, oh, hey, listen, he sees a snapping turtle. We probably need to get out of his way because he's going to run and scream like a little girl. <laughs> Why? Because that's what's going to happen. My wife knows me. As Christians, it is our call to know Christ. 1 Corinthians still reading on, and it says this. It says, it is important. Love strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know much. But the person who loves God is the one who recognizes God. Like I said, knowing scripture isn't bad. Actually, I think in the kids' class, they're teaching them, hey, read your Bible every day right now. And my kids, guess what? I'm so glad they're learning that. Why? Because it's drawing them closer to God. And the thing about this is, is, is when we look and we, and we see this, it says the person who loves God is the one who 
God recognizes. It doesn't say, oh, if you, you know all the things and stats about Jesus, you get into heaven. No, it doesn't say that at all. I, I've, as I'm growing older, I'm almost 40, I know, and it hurts a little bit. Um, as I'm growing older, I'm becoming less and less impressed with people's Bible knowledge and more impressed with the encounters they have with Jesus. It, it, it's great. I, I, again, I've sat in me, so many, so, so many church services. My, my mom and dad raised me right in the church. Uh, we were best friends with the pastor, and, and it just, so we would go to church every Sunday. So I have thousands of, of messages that I've listened and sat through. And uh, it, it's actually kind of interesting because we would show up on Sunday morning and we would have an hour before service, a pre-service prayer. And then we would have like a two and a half hour service going on. And then we would have an hour of post-service prayer. And I remember thinking, oh man, I am seven I cannot go that long in between mealtimes. <laughs> like, I am so glad there are two services, 9 and 11, because it's like, oh, okay, you have to be done. Now, if you showed up to the 11, I don't have to be done at any time. Um, so, uh, no, I promise I'll be out shortly. Um, but, but that's the thing, right? And so I grew up with all this. And then we'd have Sunday night service. And then we'd have Wednesday night service. And I'm telling you, I could walk into the Sunday school room and I could look and I could see the little felt people before they were on the felt board and I knew what we were talking about. Right? The, the, they would have all the stories laid out. If, it, if there was a coat with a whole bunch of colors on it, I was like, got it. I know that one. We talking. Yeah, all right. Dreams. Love it. And I could recite it because I knew the stories again nothing wrong with that it wasn't until I was 16 till I actually fully knew Jesus I I again I grew up it was great but there was a difference that I could feel of man I know the story that's coming in the Bible but when a teacher now talks to me about their dreams and what God is doing as they were presented like Joseph, and they're sitting there going, this is what was in my heart. And these are the struggles I went through and I thought God was never going to show up. I remember feeling like I was in the pit being sold out by my friends and family and that they were throwing me away and they thought I could never become of anything good. And watching teachers talk, changing it from just telling a story to actually telling their story through it. Some of you in this room need to have the story of Jesus through your life. Don't just talk about Jesus as the comforter. Proclaim Jesus as your comforter. Proclaim that he is the one who has found you where you're at and saying, I see you, child. 
I see you struggling as your marriage may be falling apart. I see as your business may not be going in the direction that it is. I will provide for you. You are my beloved. I am the one who is here for you. And you get to proclaim that over yourself. It's no longer just knowing of Jesus. Because here's the thing. When you start just proclaiming stats, it it doesn't change people. But when you start proclaiming the truth over your life, it changes the world. We see that God just isn't impressed with knowledge because knowledge can sometimes get in front of grace and faith. And when knowledge is in front of that, in front of your grace and your faith, it just breeds Christian arrogance. I have many friends that don't know Jesus yet and will continually struggle to know Jesus because of Christian arrogance. Because we'll proclaim all the stories of who we heard about Jesus instead of saying, hey, I know. I know the church has hurt you. I know that life has been so unfair and so unkind to you. And I'm not here to say that in a moment Jesus is just going to heal that pain. But what I am here to say is I'm willing to walk through this with you and bring Jesus right side along. In John chapter 13, the original scripture that we looked at, we see here in verse 19, it says, I tell you this beforehand, so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth, for anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who is welcoming me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now Jesus, deeply troubled, He's troubled by his own words. He exclaims, I tell you the truth. One of you will betray me. This is a a moment where the disciples have to figure out what they're doing. There's 12 of them. We we remember the painting, right? It's famous. There's like one guy on that end, one guy on that end, probably Bartholomew down there, and, and all of them just sitting. And uh, he's sharing, hey, you guys, you're, you're going to be- betray me, one of you. If one of your closest friends looked at you and said, you're, you're in a group and says, hey, one of you is about to destroy my life. You get un- uneasy. And, and I love what it, what it goes on and it says, it says the disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved. This is the statement that changes this story. 
the disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. In actually uh, most translations, it actually says uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved sitting and resting on Jesus. Um, You don't rest on someone while eating dinner unless you're close to that person. I mean, think about it. If, if I pulled up one of you from this audience and I just put two chairs here, sat down and was like, hmm. you'd be like, what is he doing? But, the, but here's the thing. John is the disciple writing this book. And what does he write about himself? The disciple who is most loved. Now, here's the deal. If we truly believe that the Bible is fully inspired by God, when John was writing this, he was able to write, most loved by Jesus, most loved by God. And I can picture it, right? I I always tell my mom and my dad, I'm their favorite child. (laughs) I just do. And I let them know, I'm like, And I let my brothers and sister, my brother and sister, know. We have a family group text. I let them know from your loved one, from your favorite. (laughs) And here's the deal. John literally had the ability to write that, and God didn't tell him no. John's writing it going, God, this is good. The one who's most loved. And God's up there going, yeah, you are. You're my favorite, but so are the rest of them, but you're my favorite. And John's like, oh, I know, just me, God. Yeah, John, I love you. You are favored. You are highly blessed, but, but so are the rest of them. Yeah, I know, most loved. John took a place that not many will take. My children, I I do a poor job at this. I'm just going to admit it. I I don't have a favorite, but they believe I have a favorite. My wife is so much better at it. They all believe they're her favorite. And so when you ask them, they're, they're like, yeah, nope, this is dad's favorite. But then when you ask them who's mom's favorite, they all start to raise their hand. She's a good parent. I am not. Because it is important that the children know how valuable they are. Now, don't get me wrong. I I don't want to downplay it. I feel like I'm an okay dad. but, But I wish that all of them felt that way. And so I'm working on it. But John, John didn't struggle with it. He was like, yep, that's me. And where do we find him? How does he get that that place? It's not by sitting at the end of the table and it's not by by trying to get as far away from him as possible just to hear what he can, can say. No, 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 no. It's nuzzled up next to him. It's leaning in. It's putting his head right on his chest so he can hear and feel the heartbeat of Jesus. 
You want to know how you start to become the most favorite of Jesus? Let me remind you, you already are, but to remind yourself, lean into Jesus. You, you want to stop knowing things about Jesus and actually know what, what his plans are. Well, that can't be true. Well, let's, let's go back, back to the, the scriptures. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to him. And Simon Peter motioned to him and asked, to ask Jesus. Peter is motioning to the most loved disciple who is sitting right next to Jesus. Hey, who's he talking about? And look what John does. So the disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked. And actually, um, this asked, it, it, it's, he whispered. John is whispering to Jesus, hey, what's your plan? You just said some troubling news. Everyone at the table is so concerned. They're not willing to ask you. They're actually just off talking to each other, puffing up their chest, pointing out their opinions. But here I am, resting and relying on you. What are you talking about, Jesus? And Jesus has no hesitation. Jesus responded, it is the one who I give the bread that I dip in the bowl. Oh, so now John knows. And what does he do? He keeps his mouth quiet. He doesn't stand up. He doesn't go, I know the answer. No. He doesn't. And here's the best part. We all, we all know if Peter would have found out, he would have stood up and chopped Judas to pieces. Grab another sword, right? We, we know what's about to happen anyway. He's going to go cut some guy's ear off. Why? Peter's got the temper. And God's like, hey, just draw close to me. You whisper to me and I'll speak to you. You whisper to Jesus, you, you're in your most desperate times, you're not exactly sure what to do, and you're on your knees crying out, God, I can't do this again. I can't make it another day, I can't make it another week, I can't make it another month. God, what are you doing? And God will speak to you in that moment, and that's when you get to know Jesus. Oh, don't get me wrong, like I've been saying, the scriptures are awesome and know them. But don't let them get in the way of you knowing Jesus for who he is by spending time with him, by being close to him. We see here, the disciples are all going back and forth on what they think and John finds out the answer. And here's the best part, none of them knew even as Jesus told John and he's going out and Judas is leaving, the disciples still don't even realize it. Jesus' love for each one of them showed passionately in every moment that they were walking in. Because here's the deal. If we're in a close group and I'm like, hey, just so you know, real soon, one of you 
is about to betray me. And one person gets up, walks out the room. We're all going, that's it. He's the one. No, they didn't know. Because Jesus, I could, it, we, we don't get to, to hear how he said it, but if he said it softly and quietly enough, going, Judas, you go do what you need to do. A loving tone, knowing what's about to come. You're in this room and you think, oh, I've done too much. I know that I'm still actually going to walk out of this room today and this week I'm going to struggle. Jesus is sitting at the table saying, do what you need to do. I still love you. Oh, some of you are now like throwing off. Is he giving them permission? No, I'm, I'm. <laughs> Jesus' grace and love never changes over your life. And when you start to draw close to him, you know that. If you're in this room and you may be a longtime Christian, and you know all the stats, you know what makes Jesus awesome, but you've never experienced it, Oh, man, I hope this week's your week to experience Jesus. I hope today's your day. If you're here and you say, I don't actually ever really known Jesus, man, you came to the right place because we're all believing your experience with Jesus is going to forever change your life. You see this here, John, got to experience Jesus in many ways that the rest of the disciples didn't. He's the only one that didn't get murdered. He wasn't a martyr. He was real close, but he wasn't. And you see, some of you in this room might feel like Jesus has left you. You're one of the other disciples. No, 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 no. Jesus loved them all the same. It's just what John believed about himself and who Jesus was calling him to be that was different. Because you are the most loved. You are his favorite one. There is nothing in this world that you can do to change that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're in this room and you never experienced Jesus and you're choosing today's that day that you want to make the decision to experience all he has you're tired just about hearing about Jesus but you actually want to know him I ask that you would just repeat after me just a simple prayer Jesus I love you I thank you for dying for me. For giving me grace. For showing me love. For protecting me. Healing me. 
God, I ask that you come into my heart. Make me whole. Make me new. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here in this room and uh, you would like some prayer, I know there's some people here to offer prayer for you to experience and, and just draw closer to Jesus. But would you stand with us as we close out in worship? Thank you so much. <laughs>